Hey world, we are Citywide Church, creating the largest soul-saving effort ever seen right here in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We want to thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. We would love to know how our ministry has touched your life. So if you have a couple of minutes, please send us an email at amen at citywidechurch.us. Also, if you would like more information about us or about how to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. Thank you again for listening, and as always, be encouraged and stay blessed. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, Citywide Church. Um, Pastor Lewis is he's away right now. He's on a vacation, getting some, some rest, so that's good. So I have the uh, opportunity just to bring you a thought, if that's okay with you. Uh, I just want to share something that's on my heart, and then we'll see what God wants to do. Sounds good? Nice. All right. I, um, how can I say this? I love church. Um, and what I mean by that is that I love um, people um, and what people can do. I believe that the church is not just a building. I believe uh, church is a, it's a community of people. It's a it's humanity. It's a people chosen by God, for God, a people that have chosen to just say, hey, Christ, we want to represent you. Um, you've done some great things in our life, or you're doing some great stuff, and then we become the church. That's the church. Um, and, and in my experience, I don't know about you, in my experiences, I've realized that sometimes the church can just drop the ball. Oh. Have you ever been on the news and just hear something? And you're like, oh, man. And you hear somebody say, that's why I don't go to church. Look at those people. Look at what they do. But the only reason I'm saying this is because I'm also highly uh, aware that church is kind of like not a norm for everybody. And some people, I, I had a conversation with somebody that told me, listen, um, I, won't go, I'm, I can't do church, but I'll do God. Like, I love God, I'll pray, but I just can't do church. And I was like, that's cool. And the reason she said that was because she had went through some t situations in the church. But I, I want you to understand that when you come together as a group of believers, as the church, that there's power in that. And that circumstances shouldn't, right, um, dictate our actions because of someone's mistakes or someone's lack of responsibility carrying the church. Does that make sense to everybody? So I want to encourage you this morning that as we're having church, as we're talking, as we're speaking, to understand that you are safe, that you're in a group of people that love God, not perfect, but that love God, that we've been through some stuff too in life, so we catch no judgment, that we understand that sometimes we have our own faults, so we will look at your fault and say, look, here she goes again, there he goes again. But we want you to understand that the God who has reckoned us, convicted us, changed us, rearranged us, is here to do that not only for me, but for you and for everybody. Someone say everybody. So that's the God that we have encountered. And I want to read a little scripture. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can grab it or open it up on your phone, whatever. I want to read a little scripture to you. Book of Joseph. I mean, sorry, the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. 
37, verse 3, and we're going to read, I don't know, we'll figure it out as we're reading. How about that? 37, verse 3, says this. Now Israel loved Joseph, speaking of Joseph's father, Israel, who was also named Jacob. Loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he, made, also, he made him a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Why would you hate your own brother just because the father loves him? Isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Like, hey, daddy loves you. Man, that's awesome. They got it. Daddy loves you. So, the reason I opened up with saying that statement about the church and things like that is because I want you to understand that sometimes in our own communities, we make mistakes. And it has happened historically. But I also want you to understand that these mistakes that can be made by people that we love or the ones dearest to us will cause us to walk into purpose and into destiny. Will call us to fulfillment of what God has for our lives. So verse 4 says, but when his brothers saw that their father loved them more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. And I'm going to go down to now verse 23. Go there with me. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his coat or the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit. Someone say a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. I've come to understand in my, my, my short life, I'm 32. About to turn 33. Thanks for reminding me. I feel like I've, I'm learning life now. Like I feel like when I was in my 20s or 25, like I knew what life was about. But I feel like I'm, I'm growing and maturing now I'm at the age of after 30. Like at 30, it was like something just clicked. And I said, oh my gosh. And I started figuring things out. And one of the things that I figured out in my own personal life is that when it comes to church, when it comes to God, it has to be so personal. It can't be systematic. It, it, it can't be a routine. It can't be a routine. It can't be just a, a box that I'm checking. It can't even be a theology. It can't be a thought. It can't just be information, but it has to be personal, really personal. And the reason that it has to be personal is because I realized that everything else, checking off the box, coming to church on Monday, maybe coming on Wednesdays, maybe even signing up for City Links, in times of trouble, in times of difficulty, in times when you're in the pit, ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. If God is not real or the reality in your life, if he's not truth in your life, something else will become truth in your life and you'll fall and cast away because of a lie. I've realized in my walk with God that God has to become so true in my life that whenever I can't make sense of something, whenever I, I, can't, I can't form out the equation, whenever the sum is not adding up, I have to realize that God has to be so true in my life that I won't divert from his calling, I won't divert from his path, 
but I'll continue to push on forward just because simply he is God in my life and now he's not just church in my life but he's reality and truth in my life so I'll trust what he said I'll trust what he'll do and I'll continue to push on and moving forward I have an announcement for you church just won't work sometimes what are you saying pastor church just won't work the truth is just coming to church sometimes just won't work it won't fix it put it like that it won't fix it for you so I'm glad you're here if you want something fixed but to be honest the reality of it is that intimate relationship with God is will allow you to look at a circumstance and see what God wants to do through it and for you Church is awesome. Church is cool. Church can be, even be irrelevant. Church could, could do a lot of things. Church can change cultures, change communities. And the only way that those things happen is when God has become so real in your life that you can know his voice. He's become so real in your life that now he's just truth. That's the only truth you live on. The news will say that. Schools will say this. People will say that, but you say, no, no, no. I know the truth, and the truth is the word of God in your life, and you'll stand on that, and that'll be your firm foundation. And you won't shake away from it because you just know that God has become so true, so real, so personal in your life that it's just not a system for you, but it's actually the air that you breathe. It's the air that you breathe. I've realized in my 30-something odd years of, of living that if he's not the air that I breathe, oh, baby, I'll suffocate sometimes. I'll suffocate myself trying to figure things out. I'll suffocate myself trying to work harder, trying to make ends meet. I'll suffocate myself trying to look for the solution in something, not realizing that the solution lives inside of me. Not, not realizing that the answer to what I need is literally inside of me. And I've realized that whenever I come into that circumstance that I'm looking for everything else, God will allow certain things to happen in my life. Not because he's a bad father, but it's just because simply I'm not looking for his directions. He will allow me to take my course so I can realize, hey, buddy, God is all you need. Have you ever been there where, where God is all you can rely on? It, it, it's just, you know... You, that's the only thing you can rely on because the doctor said this and now they can't fix it. This is happening with this relationship and you can't fix it. It's just too messed up. This is happening at work and you know there's nothing you can do. Has God been something or someone, have you gotten to that point where he's the only one that you can rely on? Because if, we, if you haven't been there, not to alarm you, it, it, the time will come. The time will come where you will just have to rely on him, especially when you're full of purpose, destiny, and calling. Especially when he has his hand all over your life. I realized in my short life that the things that I have called lucky before was just his hand keeping me. I, I'll give you a couple of examples. I'll give you this example, the one that I gave earlier. I remember when I was a little younger, I, I, I used to borrow cars without people knowing. I used to borrow cars without the owner knowing. Sorry, Mom. It's just for a little while, I promise. But I remember I was in this borrowed car that the owner had known nothing about. 
with a couple of my friends. And I remember, I kid you not, that while we was going to go out doing some joyriding and, you know, having some, some fun, I heard something inside of me say, go home. And I looked around, I said, what? Go home. And I said, hey, that's not even my, my friend speaking. I don't so immediately I said, oh, man, I, I got to go home. So I went home with my friends in the car. And my brother, my little brother was there. And he wanted to stay. I said, no, Ernie, we got to go. And I gave the keys to uh, uh, my friend. And I said, dude, you got to go home. I don't know why, but you just got to go home. I even gave him my house keys. I said, bro, I need my house keys. Don't lose this copy of my house keys. Make sure you're responsible with this. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan, no problem. You sure you don't want to stay? Nah, man, I got to go home. Make sure you go home early tonight. All right. Next morning, they don't call me. It's the afternoon, they don't call me. So a little later, I finally get a call. And what happened was, let's just say, in that borrowed car, they got caught. They got caught, and after that, good old Bridgeport PD took care of them. And, and, and I realized, man, I said to myself, man, I got lucky. I was a lucky one. But now I realize it was just really God's hand over my life keeping me. And I want you to understand in your life that there's some stuff that you know you should have never got out of. And it wasn't luck, baby. It was God's hands keeping you. You see, I know it was my parents praying for me. Some of us don't have parents, but we have some grandparents praying for me. Some of us got some friends praying. And I want you to understand that the stuff that should have happened to you didn't happen. Not because you're lucky. You're not lucky, baby. You're blessed. You're kept in your favor that he has kept you. It's not luck. It's his hand all over you, even before you didn't know it. So God would allow his GPS, God's positioning system, to, to uh, allow you to walk into some stuff in your life so you could come to the end of yourself and really recognize that he's the beginning of yourself. And now you're coming to relationship with him and you're still understanding that God's grace has been all over you. We start looking at the history of your life. You, start, you can't even delete some of the stuff you've done, but you know he has been there. Oh, man. Looking at the history of your life, you understand you, you've been in some stuff. You've been in some pits yourself. You've been in some pits, not, not even because you, it, sometimes you haven't even made the mistakes to be in the pit, but it's just circumstances, unforeseen stuff, stuff you didn't prepare for, stuff you didn't study about, stuff that you don't have no knowledge about, stuff that just has happened, and life has thrown you a curveball, baby, that you cannot hit. And now you find yourself in a pit. My God, I mean, you're a good Christian too, but you still find yourself in the pit. You're praying, you're fasting, you're reading the word. You got your little Bible app, the U version. You're highlighting stuff. And you really feel like a Christian, but at the pit, you just still fall into it. God's positioning system is different than ours. The GPS of God will direct you a different way when it comes to purpose and calling and destiny. And I want you to understand that the pit, it's a place where, where there's no water. There's no refreshing there. It's a place where you're all alone. And I want you to understand that this place that you're all alone is really a development pro process so you can understand what's inside of you. What's inside of you, the gifts inside of you. Why has God kept you? Why you felt lucky, but now you really know it was just blessed God's hit because there's some stuff inside of you that he needs this world to see. There's some stuff inside of you that if, if he didn't separate you from the things that were familiar in your life, 
you never would have seen because the Bible says that Joseph was thrown into a pit by his own brothers, but God had to separate him from something that was just familiar so he can discover himself. He can discover his, he can discover his gifts. His brothers were the one doing the administration in the field and things like that. But if you never would have been separated, if you would have never been cast away in a pit uh, by, by himself, crying tears by himself, crying out by himself, doing Bible study by himself, yelling out, putting some worship, some gospel music by himself because he can't just figure out the circumstances, he never would have been there, then guess what? He never would have walked into purpose, into destiny. He never would have realized his gift inside of him. So if you find yourself today in a pit feeling like you're crying by yourself, you're fighting by yourself, you're rewinding the sermons, you're rewinding the, the, the song, the touch of heaven, the, the God you won't get, love me like broken pieces. If you're rewinding stuff because you find yourself in a pit, you're in a good position because it's God's position. Yeah. I, I, I want you to understand that really what's going on is just some stuff that's going to shift in your life, not to break you, but to make you. There's some stuff that's going to shift in your life. You know, some relationships are going to have to break. Some friendships are going to have to go. Some environments, some workplaces may have to go. Why? Because it's just too familiar to you. And you're so comfortable in it, baby, that you're just riding along. You know, it's just like Joseph. The Bible said that he was the father's favorite. And the father's favoritism over his life, so much love, so much suffocating over him to, to guard him, guess what? It was really suffocating his purpose and his destiny. If he never would have stepped into that pit, he never would have realized he had a gift to administer not only people but a whole nation. So I want you to understand that, you know, being cozy is good, but sometimes that pit, it'll have to come just to pull some stuff out of you. Pull some stuff out of you, some purpose, some destiny, some giftings. Some familiar stuff has to go. Some relationships have to go. Because sometimes people are just too familiar with who you are too familiar with who you are you know they'll, they'll know everything about you they know what sneakers you wear they know what you like to eat they know all of your history they know all of your past everything you've done everything you didn't do everything you should have done they know all of your mistakes and when, when God wants to do something he has to pull you away from that because those voices will start telling you oh but you're this but you're that just like they did to Jesus is he the miracle one is he the son of God oh but isn't that just Joseph's son wasn't he just a carpenter so he have to pull you away from familiar stuff because familiarity will abort the mission that God has for you. So he'll pull you out of familiarity, familiar stuff. So it's okay to tell people sometimes, you got to play the NSYNC, bye, bye, bye. It's okay to tell people bye, bye sometimes, okay? It's okay to tell jobs and situations bye. It's okay not to figure some stuff out in your life and tell the situation, you know what, bye. I'll just rely on God all of myself because that's all I need anyway. So God... Take over them. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what, what was going on. I don't even understand it, God. But you know what? Take over. Take over. Come on. Someone shout, take over, God. Yeah. He'll draw you away from unfamiliar stuff. Write this down. God will draw you away from familiarity so you can discover yourself. The biggest opposition to Joseph's dream was in Egypt. It wasn't another nation. It wasn't an enemy. The biggest opposition to Joseph's dream was his family. They, wanted to, they hated him so much they wanted to kill him. The biggest opposition for you, guess what? It won't beat your enemies. 
They won't because you know what, what, what happens is when your enemy is attacking you, you're expecting that. When people are coming against you that you know that they don't like you, you're expecting that. When you go into a situation, it's bad, you're expecting it. But, but, but when it's something unexpected, that, that's a whole different curveball. When it's the people that were supposed to support you and to love you and to keep you, and now they're the, one, they're the ones hating you and throwing you into the pit, Ooh, that, that, that can cause some pain in your life. Have you ever been there? Where the people who are supposed to support you and help you and love you, they're the ones backstabbing you and backbiting and lying and gossiping upon you. But I want to encourage someone this morning, let them know that the only reason that God has to pull away the familiar in your life is because you got too much destiny, too much purpose in you, baby. And you need to find yourself because the atmosphere, the stuff that's around you, it's molding you into a certain way. And God's saying, no, no, I can't have you think that way. I can't have you think the same way as your neighborhood. I can't have you think the same way that you did in school, in high school, so I have to get rid of those friends. I can't have you think the same way that they're thinking because there's something greater inside of you. So I'll pull you away from the familiar. And guess what? It's not God's way of breaking your heart, baby. It's God's way of, of molding it, of nurturing, of caring for it. So he'll pull you away from the familiar just so you can discover yourself, discover the giftings inside of you, discover who God has called you to be. It happened to Jesus when he went to go. My man did a, a, a miracle crusade. Miracles all over. He wants to go back to his hometown and do the same. But the Bible says because lack of honor, guess what, a.k.a. they were too familiar with him that he couldn't do the miracles there. There's some miracles that you have to do in your life. There's some stuff that you have to change that won't only change your life, but it will change legacies and generations to come. And guess what? You can't do it in your hometown because they're too familiar with you. You may have to step away, and that's okay. That's all right. Because it's God, some will say GPS, his positioning system. And sometimes when God starts putting you in his positioning system and his GPS and you're in that pit and you had some dreams. Have anybody, has anybody ever had some dreams in their life? Like you wanted to accomplish some goals, some stuff. Like you just wanted to do some stuff. You, you had some dreams. You had some goals. You were going to school for this. You were going to school for that. You wanted to do this, saving up for the house and all this and saving up for the new car. You have some goals. And that's good that we have some goals in our life. I love goals. Hashtag goals. But then the curveball comes and you're in the pit. And you're like, what is going on? And, and now you don't have the resources or, or what you can lie upon, but the, the comfort zone, you don't have that anymore. And you have to fight all by yourself. Have you, have you ever fought by yourself? Like, I'm talking about fighting for real, fighting for your life, fighting for your mind, fighting for your health, fighting for your wife, your husband, your relationship. Have you ever fought for yourself? It's good to fight for yourself sometimes because you know what you're made out of. When you start fighting by yourself and you, you don't got a posse or a crew around you to support you, to cheer on, you'll know what you're made of. Bonus and courage will start rising up. Fear will have to leave. So if you find yourself today all alone, brokenhearted, don't start crying, baby. Start fighting. It ain't time to cry. It's time to fight. It's time to start moving forward, fighting all by yourself. It's okay to, buy, to fight all by yourself. The greatest men of God started by themselves. Moses ran away murderer. God called him by himself. David, 
cleaning up shoe, uh, sheep uh, poopies, like my son would say, doo-doo, in the background. Guess what? All by himself. All by himself. Elijah, when he was called, all by himself. Being all by yourself, it ain't all that bad. Being all by yourself will allow you to discover some stuff inside of you that you didn't even know was placed there. Some giftings. Being all by yourself will allow you to step into some stuff and work it out. I, 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 obviously, I, I live in Bridgeport. I, I work in Bridgeport. And, and I grew up in Bridgeport most of my life. And I've seen some stuff. I see some people figure some stuff out when they're really desperate. Like, I'm going to use an example. Don't judge me. Now, have you ever had, like, crackhead Joe from the corner? Right? I remember Eastside. That was this dude. He was strung out some stuff. But what impressed me about this individual, that when he wanted something, he would do what? He would figure it out. I I'm telling you what. This dude, he was surprised the heck out of me sometimes because he would figure something. He... He will make it happen. He will make it happen. He will find a TV to sell you. Yeah. He, I'll be right back, John. What? You got to give the guy the, the 50 bucks for the TV or whatever it is. They will, they figure it out. And, and I realized in my life, my gosh, if they can do that in bondage, how much more can I do in freedom in God? If they can do that in bondage and, and, and unfortunately trapped in the lies of the enemy, how much can I do in freedom? How much can I change? How much can I do? What's inside of me, God, that I haven't discovered yet? I need to discover some stuff. So, God, instead of crying about my pain and being alone in this situation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace it because I know you're not done with me. I know you just started with me, God. So there's some stuff that I must know. Yeah, there's some stuff that I must know. No wonder I couldn't die. No wonder I couldn't pass away. No wonder the enemy couldn't kill me. No wonder I didn't lose my mind. It was because God has some stuff inside of me that I had to discover for myself because there's some things that heaven needs to release on earth and he wants to do it through me. He wants to do it through you, baby. He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it. High five your neighbor and tell him, you're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. Some people need to just tell themselves that I'm chosen. Stop believing the lies of the enemy, the lies that you heard from young, from the birth. I'm chosen. I'm, I have a purpose. I have a destiny. This ain't all that life is about. No, no, there's a God that's for me that has not forsaken me. Some people need to hear that. You're not dependent on a relationship. You're not dependent on your job. You're not dependent on your education. That is not your identity. You are chosen by the living God, the only God, the true God. He is completely your identity. Most of Joseph's opportunities in life came through opposition. If, if I have a glass here and I, and I pour the water inside of it and it's half full, perception will tell different things. You can look at the glass and say, oh, it's half full. Or you can look at the glass and say, what? It's half empty. Perception matters because when you're in a situation where I call it the pit, the prayer intercessory time. 
Yeah, at times you got to pray, the ugly prayer. Not the cute prayer, not the religious systematic prayer, just the stuff. Just the stuff you're, God, you got to yell on top of your lungs, that type of stuff. The stuff where you're in your car crying out, it's not coming out, but you don't care because you know you got to pray. It's those times of just opposition and being in the pit like that that allows you to step into something more as perception because you can look at the glass half full or half empty and being in the pit will shift your perception about things. You, you start realizing that you have more than what you need. You start realizing that what was, what was familiar around you, you, you ever looked at, at somewhere you came out of? A place that you came out of? Friends that you really don't associate with. You ever look back and say, my gosh, that could have been me. Am I the only one in the house that ever thought that? Sometimes I drive down the street and I'll see certain things or I hear certain things in the news. I look at certain friends that I had back in the day and I'll say, my gosh, that could have been me. That could have been me. But I, I realized that God has allowed me to come into his GPS, into, into his pit for a little while. So my perception can change. So I can start realizing that, my gosh, I'm not lucky, but I'm blessed. My God, you're all that I need. And, and I'm not sitting here saying that being in this pit and discovering yourself is easy. It, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to pray by yourself and for yourself. Praying by yourself and for you. No band, no band there, no pastor to encourage you. It's just you alone. Just by yourself. You can't figure the things out, but you, you know the only thing you can do at that moment is just pray. And the pit will allow you to change your perception and that's a good thing. Because sometimes we're so familiar, we're so caught up in what we know and in routine that we'll box God in. See, that's the problem with religion, that we try to box God in. And he's not a God that can be boxed or closed up. That's why I love the church, because really the church is a body. It's a, it's a people coming together under the power, the authority of God. But when we start making stuff religious in our life, when we start making God systematic in our life, I'm telling you, we're closing him up. We're boxing him in. Perception, changing of perception is good. All of our downfalls, we'll start looking at them. All of our pains and our hurts, we'll start looking at them from a different angle and start realizing that, guess what? Maybe the enemy threw this at me so it can, so it can be a curveball and try to break me, but God will take it just to mold you and to build you. Changing the way you think. Changing the, changing the way you even believe about yourself. Sometimes we're going to change the way we believe about ourselves. We think that we're not even enough. So we start looking for, for answers in different places. We start looking at social media. What is the social media saying? What is the news saying about this? What does this thing say about this? And all these little resources that we're looking for, none of them have the answer. None of them. None of them. So you still have to just rely on God. You're still in the pit, and guess what? You still have to just rely on God. But relying on God will continue to develop your faith. Your faith, your trust in him. Because when you can't trust in no one else, when you can't trust in nothing else, and all you can do is trust God, 
That's one of the biggest shifts in our life. Because we start making him the source of everything instead of the resource. He's just not no longer an appetizer, a little sprinkle on time. No, no, he's everything. He's the full meal. And sometimes we'll have no answers for what life has thrown at us. We'll have no answers for what we're going through. But I want to encourage someone this morning, let them know that, you know what? Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith in your relationship with God. Keep the faith that what he has spoken over you is going to come true. Write this down. Have faith even when you don't have answers. Point number two. Have faith even when you don't have answers. I'm telling you, there's sometimes that you have no answers to what you're going through. But faith will step in and start wrecking your life. Have faith even when you don't have answers because faith pleases God. And I want you to understand something that is the moment that you're in a pit and this moment that you're caught up and you're in a desperation mode and, and you realize, oh my God, this is some warfare I've never been through. This is some stuff I've never fought before. I, I want you to realize that when the enemy's at work, guess what? He's not after your stuff. He's not after your money, your, your career, your house, and, and your car, and this and that and the third. He's really after your faith. Because if he can turn your faith into unbelief, then there is no relationship with God and he's one. If he can turn your faith into unbelief, then God all of, all of a sudden takes second and third and fourth place in your life because you have no faith in him to accomplish something that he said he will do. So the enemy's not after your stuff. He's not after you, even after you physically. He's after your faith. Come on, tell your neighbor say, hey, keep the faith. Tell someone else, keep the faith. They need to hear this stuff. Keep the faith. Keep the faith when all hell is breaking loose. Keep the faith when nothing adds up. Keep the faith when everybody's telling you no, but you know God told you yes. Keep the faith. Because in those moments that you're alone with God and you know there's no answer, so you're keeping the faith. You're just developing a relationship with God, an intimate relationship with God and no longer is he becoming theology or a system for you or religion no now he's becoming truth in your life and that truth it's powerful because now you start realizing that God you're also the word that became flesh so you start you know quoting a little more scripture just so you can keep the faith you start telling yourself no weapon formed against me shall prosper you start telling yourself, you know what, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. You, you start even encouraging. Have you ever been to the moment where you got to encourage yourself and keep the faith because nothing makes sense in your life. You couldn't put this thing together, but it was just the faith that has kept you, that has kept you. So you'll talk to God. And you start talking to God in his secret place. In the secret place. You start telling him stuff that you didn't want to tell him. You know, we will have those guarded prayers with God. Like, he didn't know everything about us. But we'll be so, so systematic sometimes with God because he's, he's that. He's a system sometimes. But when you got to keep the faith because there's no answers, you start telling him some truth. You start being real with God. You start telling him some stuff that you want nobody else to know. And you start telling God, hey, God, this is what it is. This is who I am. You know I'm a mess up. You know, I'll screw this thing up. You got to guide me, God. Have you ever been there where you said, God, you have to guide me through this because I have no clue what's going on. And sometimes silence can speak louder than words. Silence can speak louder than words sometimes. 
It was in silence that Jesus stepped into the second phase of his, of his, of his purpose, getting crucified. It was in silence that when, when Moses was at the Red Sea, he didn't know what to do. And God said, why are you talking to me? God wasn't even talking. He's, God, you brought me here. And the people were complaining. Oh, we've come here now. We should have died over there. And Moses does not know what to do because God is just silent. And then all of a sudden, God's opened up his mouth and says, why are you even praying to me? You have what you need inside of you. You have what you need in your hand. Take the staff and hit the sea. And then the miracle happens. Sometimes you just got to keep the faith. Sometimes you got to keep on pushing forward. For the kingdom of God suffer its violence, but the violence take it over. Sometimes you got to be rough with this thing. Sometimes we're too soft with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't understand that this is deliverance power. We don't understand that this is truth. We don't understand this is reality. We don't understand that when we're speaking the word of God, the atmospheres have to change. And we'll take it so lightly. But God will have to shake us up a little bit just so we can understand, okay, God, this is the truth. This is all I can rely on. Building in silence with God sometimes. And when God's not really giving you an, an, an answer, just building in silence with God, it's, it's also called the, the secret place of God. I, I ran across this, this, this verse in Deuteronomy, I think it's 29, 29. It basically talks about the revealed will of God, stuff that we know. And then it talks about the secret will of God. And that impacted me because that means there's some stuff in heaven that we don't know about yet. There's some stuff in heaven that heaven wants to do through us that we're not familiar with yet. Because we haven't been acquainted in a relationship with God that he's the only source and we quiet out all the other noises because in the quiet place, in the secret place, when every other noise is on mute and it's just you and him, he'll start whispering things in your life. He'll start whispering purpose and destiny. He'll start whispering how much he loves you, how much he's pleased with you. He'll start undoing things that man has done. He'll do it the right way. He'll show you what true love and true intimacy is. Everything that you've been trying to find in people, in a man or in a relationship, he'll undo in the secret place. Because he'll start whispering the secrets of heaven. The reveal will of God. Stuff that he has desired for you. Stuff that he's allowed you to come into, uh, onto earth for a reason because it's just something that he wants you specifically to do. Something that you must accomplish. Something that you should accomplish. Something that he's, he's craving over. Something in your life that's saying, you know what? This has to speak, speak louder than fear. In the secret place, you, you'll develop your faith so much that it'll start speaking louder than fear. Because fear sometimes can speak so loud. And, and all fear does is just speak lies. Lies and lies after lies. But faith has to be louder. Faith has to be louder. And it becomes louder when you understand that you're being kept by him. You see, we come into a fearful position sometimes because we try to figure things out on our own. So it allows stress to accumulate, anxieties to accumulate. But really, 
what, what releases all that is that we allow to God to do the work. And now we're guided by God's hands. We're not trying to guide God's hand. We're trying to move. Sometimes we're, we're, we're trying to move and we're telling God and God has to shift us and, and put us in the pit and uh, relocate us to his GPS so, so we can understand that, hey, 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 God wants it done this way. Are you following me? I, I, write this down, point number three. God's silence affirms greatness in you. This, this, this man named Joseph or this boy named Joseph at 17 was thrown into a pit by, by his own brothers, by his own loved ones. This story always amazes me because I'm like, dude, how can you do that? Like, by his own brothers, thrown away, sold into slavery, and now he's in slavery doing some hard labor. Daddy's boy, now that he had baby hands and now he got some rough hands. Baby feet. Now he got some Flintstone feet. Sold into slave, doing some hard stuff. But the Bible says that the Lord was with him. And when he was at, the house was blessed. Not only the house was blessed, but the field was blessed. Even though God wasn't speaking to him, and even though uh, he wasn't the, the mighty voice of God that didn't open up the heavens and say, my son, I am with you. Because sometimes we want that. Because that will comfort us. But we have to realize that when we're in difficult circumstances and we're still pushing forward and we're still living life and you're coming into a place and they're saying, wow, you're, you're blessed and you're coming into church and they want prayer for you when really inside you're screaming for prayer from someone else and they're telling you, hey, can you pray for me? It's really God saying, I'm blessing you, I'm keeping you, I'm affirming you. Joseph worked out his giftings in silence. But just because God is silent doesn't mean he's idle. Doesn't mean he's not working. Just because God is quiet doesn't mean that he's not moving. When, when, when the test is being taken, the teacher doesn't speak. You, you did all your studying. You did all this stuff. You took all the notes you took. But when the teacher is, is, is giving you the quiz, the teacher ain't speaking. You got to rely on some stuff that you've learned. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is that I know it's great when God speaks to us, but when he's silent, he's really telling us there's some stuff inside of you already. You've had the answers inside of you already. And, and really what, in these moments that we're in the pit, we, we have to kind of like pull deep inside of us and say, God, what have you taught me, God? And we'll start going back to the word of God. God, you've taught me this. You taught me that I am the head and not the tail. You taught me that I am above and not beneath. You taught me that I am the lender and not the bar, Father God. You said that you will send your spirit before me to prepare a place for me. God, you've called me. I am chosen. I am your son. I have an inheritance. You'll start rehearsing these things because while the test is going on, the teacher is quiet. While the test is going on, it, the teacher is quiet. It doesn't mean that you're disqualified. It doesn't mean that you lost the opportunity. It doesn't mean that you're shunned now. It's that now the teacher is relying on what you've known to come and fulfill, into, into fulfillment. Joseph has such a gift inside of him of leading, of administration, that if he would have never been through this test, 
he never would have realized that he was born to save a nation. He, he never would have realized that not only was he put in a, in a situation to save his own people, but literally at the time to save the world. You, you have to understand that you're a world changer. You, you, you have to understand that you've been called to do some stuff on earth that can't be undone. And the only reason that God is allowing you to come into the pit and his GPS has located you there and put you there is because there's some stuff inside of you that the world needs to know. There's some stuff inside of you that when you start doing, and you start putting your, your hands on stuff, and you start speaking, people will know that the Lord is with you because it'll be so blessed and so multiplied. There'll be such an anointing upon it, such a power, such an authority. That's who you are. God's silence doesn't disqualify you. It's not cutting you off, but God's silence is affirming who you are in him. God's silence is saying, my son, it, it, it's time to step it up. And the good thing about God's silence is this, that when we start realizing who we are, when we start realizing, man, there's, there's hope of glory inside of me. When we start realizing that the spirit of the Lord, the spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ is inside of me now, we'll tell God this. God, you know what? I got this. You can stay silent. I'll start speaking it myself. Thank you, Father. So you'll start encouraging yourself. You'll start telling God, God, I thank you for the moment, Lord Father God, that I've went through this because now I can understand that I am called and chosen for purpose. Father, I thank you because I know no weapon formed against me can prosper. Father, I thank you, Lord Father, because I live in your love. There's nothing that can separate me from who you are and who you called me to be. There's no mistake in my past. There's no history in my past, Lord Father God, that can separate me from your love. God will start redeeming your time. Redeeming your time. It's a beautiful thing because God's science will affirm you in such a way. And you'll grow up in such a way. You'll mature in such a way that all of a sudden you say, you know what? Papa, I got this one. Devil, you ain't got nothing. And instead of calling for prayer, now you'll be the prayer warrior. Instead of crying, you'll be the one in here walking with joy, testifying about what God is going to do. You allow God to, in that quiet place when he's silent, you, you, it, it'll be a shift, a perception change. You, you'll start seeing the glass, what, half full. you say, you know what, God, I got you. You're all that I need. God, you know what, you're everything that I need in my life. I need nothing else but you. You'll start developing such a relationship with God that even when he doesn't speak, you'll still go because you know that that's the Father's will. You know the Father's heart. So you'll start going in common areas. You'll start going to schools and, and workplaces and, and shopping plazas. And all of a sudden, the kingdom of God will be manifesting through you. Why? Because he's just silent at a moment in your life but you develop such an intimate relationship with him that you know his heart. That you know his heart. So he won't have to speak about certain things. You'll just know that's not according to God's will. You'll start praying over it. You'll start prophesying over it. You have to understand that when you utter something, when you're praying for something, that you're literally prophesying to something. You're speaking life to something. Meaning, you're speaking something that is not. Something is it's happening. Something is dying in your life. But you look at the situation and say, you know what, it's going to come to life. You'll see people in your life diverting from God and being cast away and bounded up and in chains and all types of stuff. But you won't even believe that because there's so much truth. There's so much God inside of you that while you're praying, you're not even asking God. You're thinking God. You, you, start, you know what a Christian means, right? It means, it means Christ-like. And when Jesus did most of his miracles, guess what? He wasn't praying. He was thanking the Father. When he had the little boy's lunch and he, he broke it open, guess what? He wasn't saying, God, can you please multiply this bread? 
Make sure it's like Chavez Bakery or Compadre's Bread in the morning. Make sure it's nice and warm. God, no, he looked up. The Bible said that he looked, he turned his head up and he, looked, he said, thank you, Father. You have to understand that when you start speaking the word of God and when God starts speaking to you, that there's such power and authority that you'll start saying what heaven is saying. You'll start doing what heaven is. If someone is believing this, give God a praise in the house. So if God is staying silent on, on your behalf, it's not really because he's your disqualifier. It's not really because he's not listening. No, it's because he's saying, guess what? It's your time. It's your opportunity to step up. It's your time to step into purpose. So now, guess what? You start speaking, my son, because whenever you speak, I work on your behalf. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Man, that's good gospel. That's good news to my soul because I understand now that guess what I can go to my papa papa you're not saying that oh okay that means it's my turn guess what I, I start preaching and I start speaking and I start praying over my little my children and I start praying over situations understanding and knowing that who's inside of me is so powerful that who's inside of me has created the heavens and the earth I can't lose the fight because it's already won I can't lose the fight I started understanding that when Jesus said it is finished it was done for me I don't know about you, but I take that promise personally. It is finished. So when I start looking at stuff, thank you, Jesus, because it is finished. This is looking crazy. Thank you, Jesus, because it is finished. You've done it. We got to get bold of the gospel. We got to get bold of the gospel. Because the Bible says it is the truth that shall set you free. It is the truth of God. It's not only a worship song. It's not just coming to church. No, it's the truth of God. When you start knowing God's truth in your life, it'll set you free. It'll start breaking chains in your life. It'll start undoing pain from like when you were eight years old and nine and ten. Something has happened in your history that's still haunting you. Haunting you. It'll start breaking off. Stuff that you ask God, God, why? I never understood why. And God will start whispering some stuff into you. And you start speaking it out. Say, thank you, Father, because I know that my son and my daughters won't go through this. Thank you, Father, because that has happened in my history. Stays here. Now I have a future with you. You're a called. You're a chosen people. If you knew how powerful you were, you'll understand that God will take you from the pit to the palace. If you understood how powerful you were, I, I was looking through this story and I was trying to find a, a, a moment where, Jer where Joseph was muttering some stuff. You know, you know how, how I do. I don't know about you. The stuff that I do, I'll talk junk to God. I'll talk, God, God, you crazy for doing this. God bless you, sister. God bless you, brother. God, you're so silly. Why you, you start muttering some stuff because it just doesn't make sense. And I was trying to find that, but I, I, I realized that this kid wasn't even complaining to God. How do you not complain when all hell is breaking loose? How? And I've realized that this kid understood that, man, in that moment of the pit, in the moment of dryness, no water, that he must encounter something that allowed him to understand that God is with me. Because even when they were trying to trap him, he said, how can I do this to you and to my God? Even at the end, Towards his brothers, he told his brothers, guess what? You meant this to break me. But God meant it to save a nation. You see, you have to understand that if God is silent on your behalf, it's not because you're disqualified and he doesn't want to tell you something. No, it's because breakthrough is inside of you. It's because breakthrough is inside of you. You have to understand that forgiveness is what? Inside of you. 
I know it was hurtful. I know it was painful. Guess what? But forgiveness is inside of you. You have to understand that what you, what you really want released in your life, it's inside of you. You have to understand that in any situation that you are, you are coming against, that if the opposition is rising, that there's an opportunity for heaven to be released. It's inside of you. Tell your neighbor, it's inside of you. It's not inside of, of books. It's not inside of, of music. It's not inside of uh, fortune telling. It's not inside of none of that. It's inside of him. And that him is inside of you. I want you to understand in my, I guess the deepest prayer in my heart is this, that we would just not be a church building, but a church people. That we really live out what we speak upon. Not because it's comfortable, not because everything's going good, no, no, just because we have the faith, just because we've developed the relationship with God. Just because we're trusting Him. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, and not driven to despair. Such a church that the opposition or, or the world can look at you and say, my gosh, what does that person have that I don't have? Such a joy. Such an atmosphere changer. That you'll walk into a place and people will start clinging on to you. Not because of your good looks or your skills or nothing like that. But because you see a strong person. A person full of boldness and courage. A person that when they say, hey, I'm a Christian, they're really meaning it. They're really living it out. That you're actually being Christ-like. A person that can relate to somebody. That you can sit down with them and say, listen, I've been through some stuff too. But God has got me out of it. Sometimes people need to hear that, you know what, God has got you out of it. Sometimes people need to hear that, you know what, hey, guess what, person? It wasn't that I figured it out. It wasn't that I stopped the addiction, that the addiction, you know, I went through a program. It wasn't none of that because I tried out of all of that. It was just simply God got a hold of me. Sometimes people need to understand. You need to tell some people in your life what God has done through you and for you. Testify about the goodness of God. Let them know that, guess what? If you feel like God's not speaking, he's, ma he's the master orchestrator. He's working something on your behalf. Keep the faith. Continue to be encouraged. Come on, let's stand up on our feet.